when you're being authentic and sharing your story and your, your why, you're not only attracting potential customers, you're attracting people to your team, people who are perhaps like, like-minded and want to go the same direction you went, want to build upon what you've built and contribute to that. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the veterinary marketing podcast from Whisker Cloud. I'm Adam Greenbaum, CEO and founder of Whisker Cloud. Today, I have Sarah Rumpel on from Rumpus Writing and Editing. How are you? I'm doing well, Adam. How are you? Oh, you you already did something that we talk so much about at Whisker Cloud. We have this joke, like when people are like, how are you? I'm like, I'm good. And then we have people that say I'm well, and I'm like, oh, when you say I'm well, it means you're really fancy, but you're a writer. And so, yeah, fancy people say I'm well. So now me and Javi, the head of our web team, every morning we both like message each other and it's like, hello, I am well. How are you? So I like that. I don't think consider myself a fancy person, but I like that you consider me a fancy person now. So I consider you. you a fancy person. I met you, what, like a month after I launched WhiskerCloud? I was just a guy in a co-working space in Denver who had thought he knew what he was doing and had no idea what he was doing. Do you remember that? Do you remember that day? Oh, yeah. I remember that day like it was yesterday. It was 2016. And I was just starting my business as well. And I feel like we both thought we didn't know what we were doing. But clearly, we both kind of knew what we were doing, or else we figured it out really well on the way. I don't know, but it's worked out. We're both just kind of relentless people. Relentless people tend to end up on top. Even if you know or you don't know, you find your way. If you just just don't let shit slow you down. Damn it. I told you I was going to try not to cuss. I'm not even going to edit it out. Well... Just like me, your background is not in vet med. So let's hear your veterinary superhero origin story. How did you become the vet med writing queen of the earth that you've become? How did you get here? Well, before I was in vet med, before I was a writer, I was a human respiratory therapist. I'm still a human. I was a respiratory therapist in human medicine. I guess that's a better way of saying that. I say it all the time. I'm a better writer than a speaker. So I have to edit myself out loud sometimes. But anyway, I was a, a respiratory therapist and got married, got pregnant before my son was born, ended up deciding I wanted to go back to school. So about a month after he was born, I went back to school full time and got my degree in communication. And one of my professors was like, oh, you're a really good writer. You should consider you know, doing that for a living. And I thought, wow, that's cool. Like Writing is fun. I've always liked writing, but could I, I always, I always thought of writers as people, you know, novelists and people who, you know, write for the New York times or something. And I didn't think that I could actually make a real career out of that, but I applied for an internship at a magazine in Denver and got it and was published for the first time and really got a taste of kind of journalism and interviewing people and fact checking. And, and it was awesome. And I fell in love right away. And I wanted to stay there and work there, even if I think it was going to be a really low starting salary, even if they did have any openings, which they didn't. They invited me to stay on for another unpaid internship, though. And my husband was like, yay, another semester of no money. That'd be great. So I ended up looking for jobs. And the first job I applied for with, was with the American Animal Hospital Association as a marketing copywriter. And I got the job. And that was in June of 2011. And I just met so many people. I was there for almost five years, met a lot of people in the industry who are quite influential. And people were coming to me 
kind of on the side asking for freelance help doing website copy or writing their blog or helping them with their resume. Before I knew it, I had quite a lot of freelance work. And so I ended up starting my business. So you could say that 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 first job was really your big aha moment. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It was my aha moment. Yes. That's right, everyone listening. I'm trying to incorporate more jokes into this podcast. That's cool. You are human. So I'm glad you reiterated that for everyone. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, those are the stories that are awesome to me. And and it's, you know, we all found, well, not we all, some of us were just in vet med from day one, but like you and I and other people, we all just kind of find our way into veterinary medicine. And, you know, it's, it's weird. Like, my wife who has been working uh, from home during COVID, it's like, she'll, she'll hear me talking and she'll be like, who are you talking to? I'm like, I was just talking to a vet. And it's like, if you would ask me 10 years ago, I'm going to spend my days talking, you know, working with 3000 veterinarians around the world and just spending my day talking to vets. It wouldn't have even, I don't know, you would, you would have thought that'd be a weird career choice, but here we are. And, and I love it. And I'm so passionate about this, weird industry love you all (laughs) well i feel like once you once you're in it it's really hard to get out to it sort of sucks you in and like you can never escape it even if you wanted to you know it's like that i don't want to either but you know it's just a good it's a good place to be i think that's what i used to say about living in las vegas like moving out of las vegas you have to literally i had to like i tried to move 10 times in my life and finally i was like quitting my job, putting a down payment on an apartment, don't have another job in Denver. I'm getting the hell out of here. And I just had to do it. And like a week later, I was gone. I'm like, I got to go. But no, vet med, you are wonderful and insane. And as everyone knows, I send out questions before we do these episodes. We don't plan. We don't plan what we're going to talk about. We just kind of go where the answers take us. And, you know, we ask things like, what's your favorite thing about vet med? What's your least favorite thing about vet med? And your answers were pretty in line with what a lot of people say, but you really expanded upon them in in much different ways. So your favorite thing about vet med was the people. Mm -hmm. Why? So gosh, now I want to pull up what I said, because I, like I said, I'm a better writer than a talker. And I, um, that's why I expanded upon my answers when I, sent those answers because I, when I start writing, it's hard to stop. I just keep going, 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 which can be problematic, but it's a small industry. And so there's times when you feel like everyone knows everyone, you'll have like a call with a potential new client and they're like, Oh, I know so-and-so. And I know that person too. And it seems like it's all intertwined in some way. And then there are other times when you'll go to a national conference and hope that you find someone, you know, you know, you're walking around the huge halls of the of Mandalay Bay or something. And you're like, hoping you see someone, you know, and you don't see anyone for an hour or two that you know, and you feel sort of like, Oh, my gosh, am I not as cool as I thought I was. But it usually pretty much feels like it's a pretty tight knit group of people and that um, they're authentic. And they all kind of got into it with the same initial goal of helping animals. And it's cool, too, because even people who technically are competitors in the industry are pretty good at helping each other succeed. I feel like, you know, yeah, there is some competition here and there, but for the most part, if my company isn't a great fit for ABC Animal Hospital, perhaps this other writer would be a better fit for that animal hospital. And who, why wouldn't, why would I prevent that from happening? Maybe I'll even introduce them. You know, like, I think that we're all kind of here for each other. And especially lately with all of the mental health concerns that we've had in the industry, I think people are here for each other. And I think that's cool. 
I was just at WVC a couple of weeks back. We don't do booths. I hate booths. I think booths are dumb. No offense to anyone out there who has big elaborate booths. Good for you. I think that's great. My company will never be, it can never translate who we are with like a table with a sheet on top. That's why a couple of years ago we had Elvis perform at a private party in Vegas. I mean, that's what we like to do. But I was walking around WVC and I had stayed an extra day for a couple extra last minute meetings. And it was Monday night and I was like walking around and I was like, not done up, not like I have like a hair and makeup team or anything, but I was just like in a whisker cloud shirt and shorts, like going to get dinner, trying to like not run into people. And I ran into like 10 people and I was like, damn it. <laughs> That's your mistake. If you go out trying to not run into someone, you know, you're, it's just bound to happen. You're going to run into a lot of people, you know. Well, and let's be honest. The stupidest part of that story is yes, I was wearing a whisker cloud shirt. So it's like, true, true. You know, I also I also had this big six foot by eight foot sign that was attached to me that said Adam Greenbaum with arrows pointing down. So I don't know how people <laughs> kept finding me, but no, it's it's definitely a small industry, which is interesting. I mean, you know, as I was telling you, you know, as we as we passed 30 employees at Whisker Cloud, which is when you met me, I was just a schmuck at a co-working space. But now it's like as we have this just gigantic team and company. I'm not there for every interaction. I'm not there for every meeting, but I really hold everyone to a very high standard for how we communicate with people. You know, all these Facebook groups and all these LinkedIn groups, I tell them, and I screenshot every post. I'm like, here's these people talking shit about that company. Here's these people saying how much they hate them. Here's a screenshot of the horrible support person who was rude to them. I mean, I, I'm really cool with my team. I just tell them all, we've never been caught in 4K in one of those groups. If I ever see a screenshot, oh boy, I won't be happy. So yeah, it's a, it's a small <laughs> industry. But then you have people like you who are talented, who are building a big company, and then your name gets, you know, just thrown probably around everywhere because everyone needs more storytelling and everyone needs more writing. I mean, I'm a I'm the worst writer on earth. So writing's a tough skill and your business has boomed over the last couple of years, which is just so cool. Yeah, it really has. It's been, like I said, in 2016, I never ever would have envisioned this. You know, I started an LLC just because that was what you do if you want to start a little business and do freelance work. And I did not think that I'd be here with, you know, 12, I have five full-time employees. We have 12 total, you know, including our 1099 freelance writers and editors. And it's amazing. It's amazing to know that we're working to make a difference in a different way than, you know, actual veterinary teams are, but we're working to make a difference alongside them. And and I'm helping veterinary professionals who might have felt like might have felt like they were stuck in their in their jobs in clinics have another avenue to use their their skills and their knowledge and you know use it in a different way in a creative way because they're good writers too so it's it's been an amazing ride well and in your survey that you filled out for this podcast episode where we asked what's your least favorite thing about vet med i'll skip forward because you know you literally you know said uh, instead, we talk about how important and valued veterinary professionals are. We love you. You're appreciated. Call this number if you want to talk to someone, blah, blah, blah. Look, I'm a writer. Words matter. So first off, we'll stop there, even though there's more I want to talk about there. Words really do matter. And I don't even want to talk about like the stuff that vet med professionals say to each other. I want to talk about the words that are on websites, the words that are in marketing, because I think the current we'll call it majority generation of veterinary practice owners don't think that words matter necessarily. And don't think that website design matters and don't think that 
SEO matters and those things and and how they say things and why they say it. And and I was just talking with our team. My it was probably just hit a pretty impressive revenue milestone that we've been counting down to for a long time. I mean, this is I remember years ago, two years ago, I had an investor who was really interested in investing in Whisker Cloud. And he and he told me, you know, I won't say the number because it's weird, but he's like, once you hit this number in annual revenue as a subscription service company. He's like, dude, you can name your price. Every investor on earth will want you. Well, we just hit it. And that's really exciting stuff. Well, I'm I'm probably, every day, I'm probably taking six weeks off my life uh, for the last five years. So I don't know how to do that math. But anyway, it was interesting because I, I pulled up this article from this company. And I think you'll find this really interesting. So this company, it was the founder writing about scaling his business and how hard it is. And he talked about one time when they had like 2 million users and they sent out an email that was poorly worded and they got 20,000 confused responses and it cost him thousands of dollars because he had to have his support team working overtime because all of his customers were freaking out because they just didn't word the email properly. My wife works for a big e-commerce company. They, They have the similar issues. Like they'll send out an email saying like, maybe they won't specify if it's in stock soon or they won't specify that it's out of stock now. And then all of a sudden there's 500 support emails and you have to pay people to respond. And now you didn't care about words the first time. Now you have to be very thoughtful in every response. And just because you respond to customer one a certain way, you're going to have to respond to customer two through 2 million, whatever each way. And, and so I was just reading about how this guy, it cost him so much money, this one messed up email. I just thought it was so interesting. So I'm going to ask you this, like, why do you think that med just doesn't care about telling their story, doesn't care about branding. Now, some do. I mean, Whisker Cloud customers do. But why is everyone just okay with saying, we provide compassionate care. We treat your pet as if they were our own. When you're here, you're family. You know, shit, everyone says that as they say that. And by the way, it's probably on like four, It's probably on like 800 Whisker Cloud sites. So sorry if that's on your site. But anyway, Sarah, tell us why everyone's okay with that. Because that's the status quo. And that is kind of vet med in a nutshell. Like vet med is very slow to adapt and evolve. And so I, I think I think change is scary for a lot of, you know, veterinary practice owners and practice leaders. And and also I think the thought of investing in something like a website or, you know, content or a blog post or someone to write your emails, whatever it may be, seems wasteful to them if they aren't one of those more forward-thinking innovative practices that is willing to invest in in things like that. So I think if they have the money, they're, they're like, well, why wouldn't we just invest in this better diagnostic equipment? Or why wouldn't we invest in, you know, why wouldn't we remodel our lobby because it looks it hasn't been remodeled since 1989? Or, you know, why don't we hire a new person? Like I feel like they think that way, which as a business owner myself, I can understand that. It's hard to it's hard to measure the ROI on the services that I provide and that you provide. It's not cut and dry. It's not like, okay, if you invest a thousand dollars today, you know, in six months, that's going to generate X dollars. That's, you can't really do that. You can show results, you can show analytics, but it doesn't always, doesn't always show a clear cut ROI for them. I don't want to call them cheap, but eh, (laughs) you know, like it's, they don't want to spend that money. Veterinary medicine is so undervalued and people aren't spending, pet owners don't want to spend the money for quality care. And so veterinarians are afraid to raise their prices and charge fairly for their, themselves and their teams. And 
it leads to that. It leads to them not wanting to invest in things like marketing and it can really hurt them in the long run. Yeah. You know, what's funny. And like, as you're talking, that just reminded me of something I was saying to my wife. We're, we're Disney adults. We live near Disneyland. We go. It's fine. It's weird. And they just raise prices. And, you know, now that COVID's on the other side of it, you have the vaccine, you wear masks, you can go. So we got, you know, we got annual passes. I like going to California Adventure. There's a whole area about Marvel. There's a beer garden. There's a wine garden. And there's lobster nachos. And I'm like, yeah, give me that. I don't even care if we go on a ride. I just like to people watch and walk around. But they raise prices. And then we went. And I'm saying to her, it is so empty. And I said, you know, the price of the pass went up 200 bucks a year. Nothing crazy. I mean, again, for, for a lot of people, that sucks. And if it's like you and your husband, how many kids total? Uh, three together. Yeah, all together. Yeah, three together. Yeah. So yeah, it's like for her and I, it's like, oh, it's, it, it went up 400 bucks for the year. That sucks. Well, it's a thousand for you. That's, you know, it's a big difference. So I totally get that. But for us, I'm like, I'm willing to spend the extra 18, 17 dollars per month for me to go. And it's like 20% less full. We know 20% less weights. And so I think about that with vet hospitals too. And I mean, I've I've had to sit here and say, well, why doesn't Whisker Cloud raise our prices? Well, we can't raise our prices because we've got a bunch of crappy little companies out there that are racing to the bottom offering broken services for $18 a month. But you know, I think if you're the vet hospital, it's not a bad thing to charge a little more, have a nicer practice, upgrade, have a bigger team, don't make people wait as long, and just do some of those things. I'm with you. It's just so important. Well, and you know what? Veterinary practices are inundated right now. They are swamped. They're booked out for weeks or months. They don't have enough time in a day to see everyone who wants to see them. So that's demand. There's demand right now. Like economics 101, supply and demand, like raise your prices. I remember when I was a little baby business owner, you know, a few years ago, and I was at a vet partners conference and I was talking to Dr. Stacy Santi at just like at a little round table, just chit chatting with her. And I was telling her how busy I was. And she's like, I was telling her like all these, all this stuff was happening. And she's like, Sarah, like when was the last time you raised your prices? And I was like, I haven't, I'm kind of scared to like, I don't want to go to my customers and be like, Hey, I'm charging more. You know, I feel like that's scary. And she's like, you're growing. People are coming to you. You need to raise your prices. There's demand for your service. So raise your prices. And the same thing is true in vet med. Like I feel like these practices are so busy. Raise your prices. Will you maybe lose a couple of terrible clients anyway, perhaps, but they're terrible clients. So who cares? (laughs) Well, that sounded like a comment I would have made. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's true though. I mean, you know, like attract the people who want to pay, the people who act, are very bonded to their pets and are willing to pay for a high quality medical care. And those are the, the clients you want anyway. I don't know. I just, I feel like they, they undervalue themselves so much and a lot could change for themselves and their teams if, if they raise their rates. Well, let me ask you this. Like, why do you think that storytelling and writing is so important for veterinary medicine? Because it humanizes the veterinary team when you go to the doctor as a human and you don't know the the doctor that well, maybe you do, but you don't know the team that well. They just are people in scrubs and it's kind of scary. And I think in vet med, when we, when we talk about, this is why I became a veterinarian, or we have authentic discussions with our clients about 
our history and us as a human. You know, some of the blog posts that my team write are about getting to know the practice, getting to know the doctors at a practice, getting to know the technicians at a practice or the, the front desk team at a, at a practice. And those blog posts, they don't provide any kind of education for clients, but they give insight into who you are as a, as a person, who the people behind those scrubs and those lab coats are. And I think that's really valuable. I mean, these people are trusting you with their little fur babies, you know, for lack of a better term, they trust you, especially during COVID when, you know, it was curbside and you're taking their pet from the car and they're staying in the car and you're taking the pet inside and they have no idea what's happening in there. And I think if they know a little bit about you and your team, more personal details, more intimate stories, I think that really helps to build the bond between the veterinary team and the client. And that goes a long way. And customer loyalty and being willing to pay for services that that you're offering or that the pet needs, those kinds of things go a long way. Yeah. And you know, it's like, I felt like this podcast for me and for Whisker Cloud was a really good way for people and our customers in veterinary medicine to get to know me. You know, I think we're like 30 something episodes in, but people know my wife, people know who I am. They know where I'm from. You all know about my pets. You all know I'm sitting in my home office right now, surrounded by an uh, almost creepy amount of incredible Hulk memorabilia. But I also want people to know, because I do think it doesn't really matter the industry. There's just a lot of fake information and a lot of bullshit out there. And, you know, I'm not at these conferences standing on a stage and this is what's up with your SEO and this is why you should do it this way because it's how they did it 15 years ago. Are we, are you, Sarah, you and I picturing the same person in our head? Anyway. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough about that. But it's like, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not that. And I never want to be that. And I'm not like a touchy feely guy. I'm just more of like a, I run a business it's been really successful, not because I'm selling ideas or fairy dust, but I'm just telling you, I've done this a long time. I have a successful track record. This is what I think is best. Even on the Whisker Cloud blog that, you know, our team writes, it's, I write snippets of it. We've got other people that write snippets of it, but we have a really big blog and it's like, it's very matter of fact. It's very based on data. And I think I, and I'm different than everyone else. I like a vet who just says, I graduated from Ohio State. I have a wife, two kids and three dogs. I've dedicated my life to this because of this. That resonates more with me than someone who's like, when you're here, your family, from the moment you walk in the door, our warm smiles will give you a big hug. And it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think for a lot of pet owners, that really works. And, and it's on a lot of our sites. And, and But also, we talk through that. We don't just put it on there. We talk to them. What do you like? How do you want to portray yourself? But yeah, I don't know. I'm with you, though, on like telling the story and really building a real bond that's not built on just like, I'm picturing like just like the megaphone pedestal, like circus barker stuff. I hate that. Yeah. Well, and are you really family when you first go to a veterinary practice? No, you don't know them. They don't know you. You're not, you're not family from the moment you walk in the door. That's bullshit. And everyone knows that, but hopefully you become family. Like the goal is to build that bond. The goal is to build trust and to get to know each other and to, you know, the next time you come in or years from now you walk in and, or your kids walk in, who knows, with their new pets after they've just moved out and got a, a little puppy in their new apartment or something. I don't know. That's kind of the way vet med used to be. And even human medicine, like where, you know, you, you had a family doctor and your kids grew up and then they went to that family doctor. And, you know, before you know it, like Dr. Smith is 
95 years old and hanging up his stethoscope and retiring. And everyone's like, oh, so who are we going to go see as a, our doctor now? Because we've seen Dr. Smith for a million years. Well, that's kind of how vet med used to be. You know, you would build these loyal bonds. And those things are changing, I think, especially with corporate businesses coming in and buying practices and things changing on that level. But it's still good to build that bond and client loyalty up. And I think that genuine words matter in doing that. Yeah. And and I will tell you, I when I think about who are the most successful clinics that Whisker Cloud have where, you know, we help them with ads, we help them with social, they listen to phone calls, we all track everything, we meet with them often. They do a great job of telling their story. They do a great job of taking pictures of the clinic. They all have very, very, very custom websites because they work very deeply with our team. And they just go through so many layers to make it really perfect. You know, everyone says, I want to be Bond Vet. I want to be Pause Vet down in Austin. You can be it. You just have to take the pictures and do it. You have to write the content. You have to be present when you're building your site or, you know, when you're crafting it. I mean, we do have a lot of clinics that come to us and say, we don't have time to write bios. Can you just make something up? Sure. This is Janice, the receptionist. You know, it's like, what are we supposed to make up? On weekends, she loves spending time with her family and hiking. Like, we can't really make up someone's bio, but... Yeah, I mean, we do have people that come to us and say like, you know, I don't, we don't really have a mission statement. Can you just make one for us? It's like, we could, and it probably sound nice, but isn't that weird? You want a bunch of, a bunch of beatniks in California to write, write your mission statement for you? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it's the key too, is not only to have the words and have them be genuine, but also to follow up with just really good service. Obviously care too, the care matters in medical care, but the client service is so, so important. And just being there, especially now with the lack of availability, appointment availability. And, you know, I, I think that's why telemedicine is really important to the future of, of vet med. Yeah, I was, I was actually thinking about that. I was thinking like, if I had like a vet hospital, I would, and let's say I was like a one or two doctor practice here in Southern California. I was thinking about like, I would implement so much telemedicine because I would be like, can we get through 30 appointments in a day? Could we charge 65 bucks for 20 minutes and just like crank them out in between, you know, and just like get into a cadence. And pet owners want that. Like not every pet owner, but a lot of pet owners, especially the younger generations, they want that convenience and that efficiency. They don't, like I want that. And I can't tell you how many times like one of my shithead animals has done something bad. We have, I don't know. Have you been following me, my cannabis plant on social media? I have been. <laughs> <laughs> so just for everyone who doesn't know my front yard, like, well, it's not technically my front yard. It's technically my neighbor's front yard, but it's literally like right on the fence line and it's coming, it's encroaching into our front yard. But one day I'm, I let the dogs out front and I go downstairs and I smell like it smelled like weed. And I'm like, and I look over and there's this weed looking thing. It looks like a weed. And I'm like, Oh my God, is that marijuana? Is that cannabis? And I walk over to it and I like smelled it. I'm definitely cannabis. And since then, so my husband and all of our neighbors thought it was just hilarious. No one knows how it got there, but everyone wants to nurture this little baby cannabis plant and see what happens. And now it's like 10 feet tall and starting to get like furry buds on it. And <laughs> I don't even know like what's going on. But anyway, one of our dogs, my husband assumed it was Winnie, but Winnie, I didn't think it was Winnie. 
I thought, I thought it was Carl. And it turns out it was Carl. Our neighbor saw him doing it. Anyway, one of our dogs ate the cannabis plant, like part of it, like ate some leaves off of it. And I, you know, obviously cannabis THC is toxic to pets. I don't know how much of that is in the leaves. Like there's no real buds yet. Just baby. I don't know. Anyway, but we didn't know about it until we found like throw up on the floor, just a little bit of like, and it was not digested at all. And it was like green. And I kind of picked it up with a paper towel and like open, like kind of was pushing it around and trying to figure out like, what is that? Is that cannabis plant? And my husband's like, no, it's not. It doesn't look like it at all. And I'm like, yes, it does. And I took it outside and I compared it and it was definitely the cannabis plant. So, and then our neighbor told us that he saw Carl, Carl with a K eating the plant and told him to stop. But anyway, I just totally got off topic. I'm sorry. I can't remember why I brought that up. Oh, oh my pets say, getting into things they're not supposed to. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I I would have loved to have been able to call my vet or message, like send, you know, text or send like a, a chat or something to my vet and say, Hey, my dog just ate this, puked it up. Is he in danger? Do I need to, you know, come in? Do I need to go to the ER? What should I do? But instead I was just like, well, let's just watch him because I don't really feel like going to the emergency vet right now. And it, he seems fine. So but what if it had been dangerous? I just think that telehealth is such a good client building, bonding thing to provide. Let me just take a second to say this. I'm mad at your neighbor. If my dog is eating something potentially poisonous, you yell at it to stop. Do you want to come let me know? By the way, your yeah, dog was eating true. that. Anyway. I don't know if he knows though. So that's the thing though, Adam, like you and I, because we're in vet med, we're not veterinarians or technicians, but we have been in vet med long enough to know that kind of stuff. I think a lot of people things that we take for granted that seem like, well, duh, you know, like chocolate, it's toxic to dogs, right? Yeah. But does everyone know that? No. Like, so that's why when my team's writing blog posts for practices, head owner facing stuff, and we've written a hundred gazillion blog posts about, you know, Halloween safety. It's like, oh my God, don't people know this yet? It's like we've said, we've talked about chocolate toxicity, or we've talked about xylitol, or we've talked about, you know, all those other things that seem so duh a lot of people still don't know so you have to keep educating yeah i uh i remember like watching an instagram story of one of my best friends and he's like throwing grapes into his dog's mouth and the dog was catching them and i like choked i called him i'm like vet hospital now i watched eight grapes on that on that instagram story and i know there was more than eight dude and i was just like I was like, dude, I hate you. Get over there now. But yeah, so again, I don't think a lot of people know. And that's why it's funny when you see like old movies and TV shows and like the dog eats like the uh, telephone, like a rotary phone or something or like eats a AirPod or something. Like I would be losing my mind thinking like, oh my God, this is the end of the world. That's really funny. But I'm with you on the telemedicine stuff. I mean, I just want a vet med that thinks differently, that thinks about a brand, that thinks about wording, that thinks about design of their website that thinks about how their online form should be used and, and all of that stuff. And it's just so interesting how many vet hospitals just truthfully don't give a shit about that at all. Like at all, they don't care. Whereas like even today, our sales team put together a, a deck for a, a new customer that they were working with. And I remember looking at it and I was like picking apart these like little things. I'm like, well, I would change that. I would change that. I would change that. And they're probably like, why did he end up showing up to this meeting today? What the hell? But I mean, again, 
will they ever notice a thousand times over? They wouldn't notice a thousand of a thousand times, but I know, and I want it to be perfect. I obsess over all things, which called our brand, our voice, our messaging. And we really work hard with, we manage social media for hundreds and hundreds of hospitals around the world. We manage websites for thousands and it's, you know, and we really, I do not want any two sites to be the same. There are companies out there where you can go pick your skin or your theme and do that and have the same site 50 times over. Best of luck. We don't do that here. Although, you know, unfortunately, some people say, yeah, just write that they're like family when they're here. Our mission statement is going above and beyond every single time you're here, no matter what, you're always family. It's like, oh, shit, here we go. So how do we how do we get vet med to the next stage where, you know, everyone sits down and thinks about their business and stops thinking in terms of I'm a vet and starts thinking like I'm a business owner. Cause I've said that. And I've said that like mean, like very, I don't know if meanly is a word, but I've said that very aggressively to many people in veterinary medicine where they're like, you know, I don't know why you're talking to me about this. I'm not, I'm just a vet. I'm like you have employees that depend on you. The moment you started your business and you hired one person, you were no longer just a vet. You now, they depend on you the same way my employees depend on me. If I do something stupid, it affects them. So how do we get them to start thinking like bigger brands do? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it starts probably in vet school. I don't think, I don't think that veterinarians learn how to properly run a business or market everyone a business. Everyone says that though, but if everyone, but if everyone says that, were they, did they learn how to get a, uh, a loan and build a hospital? I mean, if we can depend on them to get the money, build the hospital, hire people, get the most amazing website from Whisker Cloud you've ever seen in your life, have the most beautifully written copy and branding and everything from rumpus writing and editing. Like if they can find their way to all of these things, can't they, you know, how do they not think about those things? Well, like I said earlier, I think ROI is, is the problem. They don't think that there's ROI there, but I do think that this is shifting a little bit because of the next gen. I mean, millennials are the largest pet owning generation, right? And so they want that kind of stuff. That's how they find their veterinarian. They're, they're no longer going to the vet, same vet that their mom and dad went to, you know, or something like that. So they want a beautiful website with great copy. They want easy access to their veterinary team. And and I think the more that veterinarians realize that, veterinary practice owners realize that, the more they'll kind of come around. And like, I, it's like turning the Titanic around. It's taking forever, I realize. But I do think that there is some progress being made. I also think it helps that, you know, when a corporate group is looking for practices, like, but not only does that make you, you know, those things, they make you more attractive to pet owners, but they also make you more attractive as a business to purchase. If, you know, if that is the route that you're going to end up going, having a great website presence and having, you know, great content and just educating your clients and all of that just makes you come across as a more well put together practice and a better run business. So I think it'll happen. It's just slow, really slow. I judge businesses so incredibly harshly based on their websites, based on their about pages, based on the way they write their services. I'm very, very, very hard on most companies about that. And I'm just like, and by the way, I do the same with even like products I want to buy. That's why I'm loyal to like five brands on earth. 
because these are like, and again, they're not, they're not shocking. It's like Nike, Apple, Disney. I mean, it's like, because they just care so much about that stuff that I'm just so ingrained to like, I grew up with them. I love them. They don't, they don't miss a beat. So yeah, I think for veterinary medicine, but I think even just beyond showcasing the hospital, why don't these doctors want to tell their story? You had a life and you loved animals and then you went to school and then you went to vet school and then now you're starting this company. Don't you want people to know? I mean, you everyone out there listening has heard me bitch and moan on, on this podcast. Man, my life, I graduated high school early. I graduated college early. I had all these jobs. I've been working uh, probably 80 to 100 hours a, a week since I was like 16 years old, just grinding away. But I want whisker cloud customers to know that about me to know that i am freakishly obsessed and crazy because i care about every single customer you can name a website and we have so many at this point i could tell you the owner's name i mean i know it like the back of my hand i want people to know that about me why doesn't X doctor want you to know that they killed themselves to graduate from Auburn University and then graduate with honors from the Ohio State Veterinary School and you know and then you moved with your family and did all this. Why don't you why don't they want to tell that story? Because I don't think that it's relevant. And I, you have to remember too Adam like you and I are both pretty extroverted and by nature <laughs> by nature a lot of veterinarians are not quite as extroverted as we are usually they're pretty introverted in fact so i think that they think that's why most bios on your you know veterinary website it just says you know dr greenbaum went to xyz medical or veterinary school and then and graduated in this year and you know like they don't go into any of those fun details. They don't include any of the things that made them who they are, just their the letters behind their name, what, how they got those credentials, because that's what they think is pertinent. And that's what they think gives them credibility in the pet owner's mind. And it does give them credibility, but it doesn't give them, it doesn't humanize them. It doesn't make them a person to the pet owner. It doesn't, it doesn't show why, like you really have to show your why, tell your why. Otherwise people don't know. And they don't, I mean, who said that anyway? Wasn't it like, was it Steve Jobs or something was talking about why, showing your why? I don't know. Someone important like that, though. One Steve Jobs story I love, and this is how we do it here. We have, we had two people join our web team this week and, and they go through, I think you, you come to Whisk Cloud, you apply for a job, you show us your portfolio. We're like, okay, you got the right eye for it. We're going to teach you the Whisker Cloud way again. There's not a drag and drop little template here. You got to come here and you have to build. And it's a lot of coding. It's a lot of stuff. And we have this like, I think at this point, it's like 65 points on this checklist when we launch a site. In fact, we did a training on it this morning. And, and we go through that. And some of these things seem really meaningless. And I've had someone ask me for like, why the hell are we doing all this? And I, and I say, because they, they don't know, but I know. And I want it to be perfect. And I remember reading the book on Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson, where then they built the Apple One he wanted the inside of the computer to be like literally perfect. And they were like fighting about it because it would take so much more time and be so much more money. And, you know, he, and they were just like, why are we doing this? He's like, cause it needs to be perfect inside and out. And they said, you know, well, the customer will know. And he said, but I'll know. And I've always liked that. And actually in the original Apple ones, you had all their signatures and whatnot in it. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that having a true care for your brand and telling your story, God, it just means so much to me. And like I said, when I think about the brands I love, I feel like I know those brands like the back of my hand and I, and I want to feel that way about my vet. So if you're, if you're out there listening, it's like, and you're a veterinarian, stop. You're not just a vet. 
you are a brand, you are a business, this stuff matters. And if you're going to be sitting there every month stressed about payroll, stressed about bills, you have to understand that the investment you make into finding someone like Sarah and her company and really telling your story, you're right. She's she's not going to be able to tell you how many clients you're going to get. You're going to see it. You're going to see a jump because just look at the 10 hospitals around you. I bet you two or three of them at least probably sell themselves. They might not have a better site. They might not have better this or that, but they at least sell themselves better. And by the way, we live in a world Sorry if you're out there listening. There's a lot of stupid people and a lot of fake information, a lot of people that believe a lot of stupid stuff. Point being, words matter, and the same people that can be fooled by by people screaming fake stupid stuff, you know, they still have pets. Words matter both ways, good and bad. Well, and not only words to attract new clients, which isn't the problem that most practices have right now. Most are like, oh my God, I don't want new clients right now. We can't handle it. I think a lot of practices, their biggest problem right now is staffing, is hiring and retaining staff. And a great way to attract new team members is to have those stories. Like not only when you're being authentic and sharing your story and your your why, you're not only attracting potential customers, you're attracting people to your team, people who are perhaps like, like-minded and want to go the same direction you went, want to build upon what you've built and contribute to that. So that's something that also to keep in mind when you have these forward-thinking, innovative you know, websites with great copy and also not only that, but also other tools that these practices are using that are just new technologies that a lot are afraid of implementing or taking the time to implement or think they don't have the time to implement or the money. Having those things in place can really help you be an attractive option to a new hire. Hell yeah. And we hear that a lot. And again, it's hard to hire people if you don't have like a really standout careers page. I mean, think about it. Think if you were applying for a job and you saw a 12 year old website with a bunch of blurry photos that look like somewhere you'd want to go work. No way. No, that's crazy. So where do you think vet med is going to be in like three to five years? Do you think we're going to get to a point where we're going to have more young owners. And I hate to say young owners, just more maybe progressive owners who just care about that type of stuff. I hope so. I mean, gosh, I hope so. It seems like more and more, though, we're, we're becoming a lot more corporatized, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. It's just not, it's different than than what we've ever been, which I guess is going, I'm now I'm talking like a person who doesn't, is resistant to change too, but I'm not, I'm not. It does seem like there are a lot of a lot of practices that are that are going that direction. I think it would be great if you know vet students got more business education and came out of school excited to potentially own a practice. And you know, I interviewed a veterinarian for an article I'm writing about a month ago. I guess it was this veterinarian graduated from vet school and got a job right away at this practice. And within two years, like bought the practice and the former owner of the practice stayed on and worked as an associate basically for like another five years or something. But within two years of graduating, this new veterinarian had purchased a practice. And I just thought that was so impressive. And now they were, they had reached out to me because they actually wanted help. It wasn't for a story. It was for, I was writing, helping them write website copy. They wanted help with their website copy. That was so inspiring. Cause I was like, that's, that seems rare now. 
well, number one, just because practice, you know, veterinarians are graduating with so much debt that to even think about buying a practice two years after school seems impossible for many of them. But I just I thought his story was interesting and inspiring. And I, I, I wish there was more of that. I think it would be great. And yes, they were turning around like this old school, you know, the practice owner's wife was like, yeah. And then finally, the previous owner left, like he told us he was going to retire in two years, and he stayed on for five. But now he's gone. And so now we feel like we can make the changes that we wanted to make, you know, we're still going to be practicing that high quality medicine that that the old veterinarian provided, but we're going to be adding these more innovative tools and techniques and updating our website and, and that kind of thing. So I thought that was cool. I think that'd be great if in three to five years that we had more of more stories like that. It's funny as you were you were telling me, and then like the the old vet stayed. I just had this like, what's that Tom Hanks movie? Where it was like, I'm the captain now, sort of just like, oh yeah. And I just pictured the other doctor just being, actually, that's not where that goes. It's like, actually, I own this now. That's funny. So, can you just talk about Rumpus writing and editing? What it is, what you offer, whether it's to, I mean, everything. I mean, you know, the people listen to this. We have people from many different pet brands. And, and so I don't think it's just for, you know, the average veterinary hospital. I mean, you guys do a lot. Can you talk about it? Yeah, of course. So we do business to business and business to consumer copywriting. So whether you're a veterinary practice and you just want, you know, content monthly, monthly blog posts to try to educate your clients, we can do that. Pet owner facing stuff that's educational, but we can also, you know, we also have clients, industry clients that are, you know, whether it's pharmaceutical or diagnostic companies or pet insurance or technology companies. We have um, a lot of different companies in the vet space that we write for and we write industry facing content for them. So whether it's their email copy, social media, website copy, full on campaigns, we do all of that. So video scripting, radio, ad writing. So all of that we do for small animal, but also equine, really any exotics, any kind, anything in vet med, if it can be written or edited, we can do it. And we have a team. So I'm really the only, pretty much the only non-veterinary professional <laughs> on my team. When I, the first year and a half or so of my company, it was just me doing everything. And then in 2018, I had so much work. I told my husband, I'm like, I am overwhelmed. I can't, there's not enough hours in the day for me to do all of this writing on my own anymore. And I need to either say no to these projects coming in, or I need to hire freelance help. And so I decided at that time I would start looking for freelance help, but I made the conscious decision that I wanted to hire people who had those credentials, which has proven to be a pretty smart choice because we have a lot of companies that come to us and they, they always like that we have veterinarians on staff, technicians on staff, people who have worked in practice and still do some of them so that they know, you know, we always kind of joke, like we speak vet, but we really do. We are, we're fully ingrained in the industry and that's all we do is veterinary copywriting. So we're not also doing dentistry or human health medicine, nothing like that. It's all, all vet. So that's um, kind of us in a nutshell, but we also do editorial stuff too. So I'm going to be writing all weekend on a, on a, a story that's due Monday. Yay. Do you have any uh, stories coming up where you need any eccentric genius tech entrepreneurs to interview? Just let me know. I'm around and I have nothing to do ever. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell you have a lot of free time, Adam, and I will keep you in mind when I do need, need an eccentric genius tech person. 
<laughs> oh god no i mean yeah the the service you provide is really great writing is really hard i am a horrible writer and it's like even people on our team we have copywriters on our team and we have veterinary professionals on our team and if i ever write something and our copywriters like what were you doing here i'm always like shut the hell up i'm a marketing i have a marketing degree not an english degree because my ass i use grammarly if, if i'm if, don't be mad at me be mad at grammarly so it's hard my best friend's a writer and he does PR and writing and he writes for a lot of different publications. And I mean, it's just crazy. And it's so funny. Sometimes I'll send him something. I'll be like, how does this sound? And he'll like rewrite the entire thing. I'm like, oh my God, I know I'm not stupid, but writing is really hard. But I'll, and I'll make sure to in the show notes to link to rumpuswriting.com and all of that. But no, today was, today was a lot of fun. You know, I'm glad we didn't go down the rabbit hole of why is vet med so toxic and what do we have to do? I mean, a little bit we touched on it, but no, I mean, this is the creative side of things. Words matter, whether you are just a little tiny, pathetic veterinary hospital. Just kidding. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, what's funny, too. It's like even Whisker Cloud, like we're, it's sometimes I wake up and we're, I'm like, we do staff meetings on Zoom because we're remote right now. And it's like, oh, my God, there's so many people. Here. I still think of us as a tiny, stupid little startup bunch of goobers. And it's like, no, we're not that. Every day we have 700 communications between the whole team with, you know, vet professionals around the world. We're talking to people 24-7. It's like, my God. And I do look at us like we're just this tiny little company. Even when people are like, what do you do? I said, oh, I own a little software company. We're vet hospitals. Oh, that's cool. You, you have a big company? No, no, no. Oh, how many employees do you have? Uh, 32. They're like, that's big. I'm like, yeah, no shit. When did that happen? And and yours is probably, you're, you're right there too. I mean, you know, I think once you get past that, you know, once you get to that 510 range, you're no longer that startup. You're like, you're legit. And it's really freaky, isn't it? It's really freaky. And, and, you know, it's funny because I had never met any of my team in person until uh, a couple of weeks ago. We were all going to go to WBC. And then because of COVID, we have our editor, she's older and she was just kind of concerned about, and she also had broken her foot like a few weeks before that, but she was concerned about COVID and traveling to Vegas. And she lives here in the Denver area. And so I was like, you know what, we'll just, we'll skip the conference this, this year. And instead we'll just all meet in person in Denver and we'll like have a fun time. So that's what we did. But I, it was amazing because I've worked with several of them on the team, on the full-time team since 2018. And I've never, I've only ever seen them on Zoom. So I had no idea how tall they were or it was really cool. It was like a cool team bonding experience. So shout out to my full-time team and my, w, my uh, 1099s. You guys are all amazing. A lot of my 1099s are also relief veterinarians. So they'll work relief shifts and then during their downtime, they'll write articles for us. And it's a really great, great group. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw the pictures of that. And it was funny. I think I've told the story on this podcast. We recently, recently was in July, is like through COVID. I mean, COVID started March of 2020. We we left our office. We never went back. And I think we have turnover like every company does. And all of a sudden, I realized I've met less than half of my company. So I rented out a restaurant in Long Beach, California. We had a private party out by the water. And I remember my wife was with me that night. And, and I mean, she like whispered in my ear as everyone was there talking. And she's like, these people all work at your company. And I'm like that. I am so like sick to my stomach just sitting here, all of these people. And like, they all go home and they're like, yeah, our boss threw a party. Like I'm, I don't see myself as that guy. I don't look in the mirror and be like, I'm the boss. Do you do that? Do you, are you like, no. I'm the boss? Yeah. And me neither. No. It's weird. 
It's so weird. And the same thing when you're hiring someone, you know, you remember, you know, back in the day when you would apply for a job and you'd be filling out an application or like going in for an interview and it was terrifying. You're like, Oh my God, I hope they like me. Oh my God. I hope they like me. Well now as a business owner, I do the same thing. Like, Oh my God, I hope they like us. I hope, I hope they like us when I'm interviewing people to work for us. Like, it's so weird how the tables turn and you don't ever realize how it feels to be in that other person's shoes. I don't look at myself as a business owner. And I know I need to, because I have people's livelihood, you know, they're dependent upon me, but it's surreal and terrifying. And I'm kind of learning as I go. And I always said, I'll fake it till I make it. So I just Google things a lot and ask people who are a lot smarter than me who've done things before. And hopefully I just don't screw anything up. I'm trying really hard not to screw anything up. So we're sitting here talk we're talking like the same things we get mad at vets about. You're a business owner. You need <laughs> to act like it. I just, yeah. I just met someone. I don't do the interviews anymore, which I, I used to. And I used to even like even entry level. And then like, I think our last like 10, 12 employees, I said, I'm not going to be in the initial interviews. I trust my team. We have seven department heads. And I'm like, I trust you all to bring in your number twos and figure it out. So they do that. And I met someone the other day and I was like, so tell me about yourself. She's like, sorry, I'm so nervous. I'm like, why? I'm, I'm sitting here in like a Lakers t-shirt. <laughs> like in my, I have a snoring Boston Terrier behind me. This is like the least, I'm the least scary person on earth yeah that's isn't that weird well you like the hulk so you it's a little scary like what if you turn into you know i don't know yeah never ne- never towards anyone at whisker club it's never <laughs> happened uh the couple people that have cursed at my employees they saw oh, yeah. uh yeah there was no banner only hulk maybe three times in the last year but that's how that goes but all right so people l- listen to this they love you. They want to learn more. Rumpuswriting.com. Where else do you want them to go find you on social? Well, Facebook. I guess it's Rumpus Writing. I don't know. My, my lady, my social media person does all that for me. But yeah, we're on Facebook, Rumpus Writing. We're on Instagram, also Rumpus Writing. Yeah, so uh, pretty easy to find. It's a kind of a unique name. I, I picked it because it's my last name is Rumpel, and now it's Mayhan because I'm remarried. But um, at the time, it was Rumpel, and I really like Maurice Sendak's Where the Wild Things Are and that line where he says, let the wild rumpus start. I thought that was a cool word, and it was kind of like disruptive and like you know someone who doesn't really play by the rules. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to use that as my business name. So... And then I made my own web, my own uh, logo in Canva, which is also what we tell veterinary practices not to do. But I did it. And <laughs> here we are. <laughs> well, I'm glad you pulled from something you love. We were like this close to being called Hulk Cloud, and then I was like, "Are vets gonna? <laughs> are they gonna like that, or is that gonna be weird?" That's weird. I'm glad you yeah, chose Hulk Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here, everyone out there listening. I get yelled at for not saying this more often. Thank you for listening to Whisker Talks. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Share with your friends. Go to whiskercloud.com slash blog. Follow us at WhiskerCloud on all social media platforms. We post a crazy amount of blogs and stuff. But this was amazing. This was so much fun. You'll be links to her social media and her website and all of that stuff. So everyone, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Adam. 